Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Herzlich willkommen zurück auf Shark America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me as always, welcome back, my friend, uh, Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing, man? Doing all right. Yeah, a little hiatus for me, uh, partially because of uh, inability to catch some of the live streams. We've been off uh, ESPN Plus and also I've been pretty busy recently uh, moving house and, and whatnot. Have a nice largely blank wall behind me that hopefully I'll be uh, making a little bit more aesthetically pleasing going forward for all you tuning in. But uh, yeah, good to be back with you, my friend. Uh, just disappointing that not, not good things to talk about so far. Uh, not, nothing exciting in my absence from the Schalke perspective and uh, struggling here early in the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that. Talk about uh, emerging signing a center back apparently after the game. And then, uh, yeah, the game ahead against uh, Wiesbaden before the break. Uh, it's funny because usually I'm the one with the purple background and you got the blue background. We kind of switch the roles today, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, yeah. The game, not ideal for us. Let's get right into it. Um, I don't have any of the graphics ready because that's more because I was upset about how the team performed more than anything. I didn't even like, I'm not going to deal with her today. Um, but we were the home team. Um, and it's funny because we kind of laid out in the last podcast, watching some of the Holsten Kiel um, so far this season, how it probably would come out. And so I kind of knew what, what the team was going to come out like and how we should be defending them or how we should attack them. Apparently, Shaka doesn't watch our podcast because they would have figured it out. Anyway, We'll get into the lineups. Um, starting 11, fairly standard for us at this point. Uh, for the most, some pieces in and out, switching Muller in the back with uh, Machisiani on the right, with Baumgartel, Kaminsky in the middle, and Oweyon back into the lineup. Midfield three of Schallenberg, Seguin, and Latza. Latza inserted over Templeman. Templeman, who got a red card uh, recently, uh, hasn't been performing that well. Um, the, the front three would be different, though. Toronto, obviously, the top, right? But he was flanked by. Odraogo and Kiki Top. Uh, the two youngsters getting inserted into the lineup here. And more importantly, Kiki Top, some guy who obviously has been doing very well for the U23s. He embarrassed the senior team with three goals against them and are friendly. But uh, see him up top and then seeing Odraogo kind of out of position playing up top alongside Toroda as well. Thoughts on a certain 11 and in particular the two youngsters? Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like a 4-3-3 shape or more of like a 4-2-3-1 with like top was playing like a cam initially. It was kind of weird. Yeah. With like, like I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think interesting to see top obviously get a start. Um, a player that you've mentioned on this podcast a number of times over the past year or so in terms of, you know, a lot of excitement about him coming through and potentially starting to get senior team looks. Um, I think it's unfortunate the way the game ultimately played out because I thought he had a couple nice moments early on and he was ultimately, uh, and we'll get to this, but he was ultimately sacrificed early in the first half and through no fault of his own, just for, I think, you know, tactical reasons at that point. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Oudreau, we're kind of a fixture on the side, which is great to see. Um partnering somebody with Schallenberg so he's not kind of a lone six something that's been talked about a lot recently as well um so he has some assistance there so you see Donnie Latza played in alongside him obviously Donnie Latza is going to have you know some some ball skills potentially um and um obviously I have a lot of experience in terms of reading the game so um uh yeah I don't know man it's it's uh it, for me it's the back line of, of, of 
know, like Kaminsky and no, no disrespect to like Matriciani, right? But like Kaminsky, Matriciani, Baumgartel is just like it's it's such a downgrade when you have like you know Morris Jens or whoever else we're talking about. Um, it's a big difference from last season, and, and as we've said before too, it's a big difference from when we were here last time when we had like Itakura in the second division. Um, there's there's a big quality gap, I think, and that's uh, hopefully being addressed in the signing that you that you mentioned. But uh, I think a lot of Schalke fans maybe not ultimately convinced. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the, the team we were going against, Holstein Kiel, uh, their starting eleven was uh, Wiener in goal with Schultz, Eras, and Kleinebeckel on the back with uh, Porath, Sander, Ivizic, Roth, and. Steven Skripsky, a former player of ours, so you know he's going to have a big game against us. And then up top, they had Pichler and Machino. Machino has been having a good season so far as well. Obviously, Steve Skripsky is going to be the one we're going to pay attention to, one of the leading goal scorers in this fight they league last season. And, and as it always happens with us, if it's a former Shaka player playing against us, he's going to do well. So that was my big worry going into this game. Um, I mean, I'm not going to imagine that either of us are going to know any other Holson Kiel players. Uh, but he was he the guy you were focusing on? Or were you even worried about Skripsky, you know, coming to this game? No, I mean, yeah, we we always make that joke, obviously, about that being sort of a law of the universe that um, you know, our former players come back against Lewis Holtby in this game as well. Yes, Don't good call. Get, um, good which call. is even you know even a greater throwback than that. Um, Skripsky had had his moment at one point and did not it did not convert. So at least there's that. The uh, it's clearly not a law of the universe, although it is close to it and almost functionally one. Um, yeah, Pickler and Machino, I think we're both very good in this game. Um, uh, the left back, uh, the hyphenated left back, I forget his damn top of my head. I thought we had a decent game. Um, yeah, uh, overall, I think slightly better performance from them. And then uh, once again, um, I, th- I feel like there's teams that are slightly more cohesive at this point in the season than we are, um, especially when there's unavailability through red cards or other injuries and stuff and kind of a rotating cast of characters. So um, I'm kind of waiting for us to settle into a firmer sense of the starting eleven. Yeah, know about it. It's interesting, and and we said, like I said, last podcast kind of broke down how we expected this game to go. Uh, some of the areas we thought that we could attack them would be in they're prone to defensive giveaways. Uh, their goalie has to be tested because he's given up some blunder of goals this year, very Schwolof like uh, so far. Uh, their center backs can be attacked. Uh, we saw how Glasgow kind of played our center backs. Their center backs play similarly the same way. If you get a center uh, a center forward, kind of like a Toronto, who gets in the middle of them, it can cause confusion back there. The, the poor covering the trailing runners and the poor covering the back doors. And I thought where they were going to get us, where they were going to pounce on our defensive mistakes, check. Skripsky, uh, smooth finisher, didn't finish the game, didn't get any smooth finishes, but was was impactful in terms of causing a red card, right? Uh have deep throw-ins, which you know didn't really come into play in this game, and look for crosses that lead to a late runner. And you saw a couple times already this year where number 18, their their left back or left winger, crosses from the left side, back door on the on the ground and finds that trail runner. And I thought those are areas that you know Shaka were gonna be vulnerable against. And sure enough, the two goals kind of came that way. Um, first in the 15th minute or whatever, they had a nice p- breakdown where the ball comes over the top, goalie clears it for for Keel. Um, we did poor and marking it, kind of bounces, and we had a high, high line. They just quickly make a one-two pass, go on a break, hits off the post, and nothing Muller could do there. It went right to the Keel player, and that's like, you know, that happens. But I think the defending leading up to that counterattack was pathetic. I mean, what were your thoughts on that goal? That fluky off the post, obviously, but it was a breakdown defensively, I thought, uh, going into it. 
I mean, yeah, center backs were around midfield at the time. Uh, Matriciani, who was playing right back, was pinched very narrow as well. Um, so we were kind of on one side of the field. So that when that ball ultimately got squirted out, there was no one to kind of cover that 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 side of the pitch really and had a kind of a free run in into the final third. Um, I I mean, look, it's a good shot. Uh, it could have gone in. Um, I don't want to be overly harsh. I, I think I'm a little bit disappointed in Kaminsky on the first goal just because uh, it, it appeared as though he was, you know, kind of shoulder checking and trying to stay in front of his man um, on that counterattack for the entirety of the counterattack until the shot was taken. And when the shot was taken, he kind of held up. His man drifted off of him. The ball deflects right to his man, and it's a tap-in goal. And, I mean, once yeah. again, I'm not trying to be overly harsh, but it's like you literally made the effort to stay with your man for that entire run on the back end. Do it for like two more steps until the ball is either in the back of the net or out of play. And if you do that, you might be in a position to actually disrupt it, and he just kind of lets it go in. So um, to me, it's like you got to play to the whistle. It's that kind of stuff. It's basics. Um, you know, it's a bad giveaway to be in that position. But it's even even at that point after the shot's taken, it's not necessarily a goal that has to happen given the you know the positions of some of the players. And I think, you know, we're just maybe not as locked in as we need to be at the moment. Yeah, and I thought it was an okay start for us leading up to that goal. I agree, by the way, yeah. A top and Odrago were effective, I thought. Uh, but, yeah, it was just – they got that goal, and you're like, ah, oh, man, bad luck right there. And then 10 minutes later, they almost have the identical goal just on the other side. Hit off the other post, goes right back to Pichler again, He gets and he gets a tap in. No, and, and, and similar thing, once the shot is taken, both of those <laughs> players immediately yeah. stop like tracking whoever they're running. And it's a, yeah. it's like you, no one learns from what happened 10 minutes earlier. To, to me, that's just like – I don't know if it's a coaching thing or a mental thing, but we just do not seem to all be on the same page at the moment and like really yeah. sharp and, and focused. I don't know if the dressing room is bad. I don't know what's going on, but um, yeah, I don't know. We're just we're not locked in as we should be, and, and we're we're giving up cheap moments like that too often. And you, I mean, you could argue hey, it's a freak thing for that to almost happen the same way twice. Like, you know, what are the chances of that? But there's some there's some player behavior involved in that. Hundred <laughs> percent. And I think again, like the first goal, even though that was taken away, high line by the defense, they made a quick one two passes and get on this counter attack and have this great opportunity. And so it's, again, part of that is the coaching. Again, is that they they were trying to play this high line, but it's super high risky. And when your defenders aren't that great, it's probably not the defense you want to be playing. If, if it was two years ago when we had Itakura and Chow back there, okay, we're talking. But yeah, yeah, a little bit ranger can cover a little bit more ground. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it certainly seemed like Holston Q were looking to take advantage of that from the beginning. They were playing fairly direct, you know, kind of run football, not necessarily like long balls over the top, but they were playing, you know, balls on the ground with pace at the center backs and basically saying, hey, oh, we yeah. don't think that, you know, Baumgartel and Kaminsky have the athleticism to contend with us if we make you run the entire time. And I think they were largely proven right in this. And this is one of the concerns once again about, um, you know, can you rely on Kaminsky as one of your two guys for like the entirety of the season? He has qualities on the ball. He's, he's starting to get, I think increasingly more exposed um, on the defensive end of things. And uh, yeah, I'm concerned about it long-term. Yeah, I, I agree about that for sure. And it seemed like they were coming at us in waves and it was almost like every 10 minutes, something would happen. I mean, Mueller had another, decent game has some big saves in this game uh but 10 minutes after that play another breakdown defense again and all of a sudden Skripsky goes on this breakaway and Schallenberg trying to run him down and at first I saw it I'm like that's a cheap that's a, that's a cheap red to give they're gonna give you the red and sure enough gave him the red card you look at the replay it's clear it's clear as day it's, he's the last guy it's a foul he's a soft maybe but he's the last guy you can't you can't do that you know uh and he gets a red in the 39th minute so we're already losing the game we're already looking bad up to that point Add a red card and a man down. I'm like, shoot, here we go. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know why people do that in my opinion. I mean, maybe there's data on this to to show that like you have a better outcome in terms of like the points you get from the match if you do that rather than letting the guy take the shot in, in those situations where there's a clear 1v1. As long as you're not um, shot cost. So once again, but I'm saying like so maybe there's something I don't I don't understand about yeah, that. I'm yeah. fully willing to admit that I could be, you know, just not informed. But to me it's like if you aren't going to attempt an actual tackle at that point, let your goalkeeper, particularly Muller, who's been phenomenal this season, like, you know, one, one of our most important players early on, give him a chance to make something happen as opposed to immediately going down a man. We don't have a great squad at the moment. The last thing we want to do is make it even harder for them that early in the game. Yeah, I think it was just a poor play from Schallenberg and a bad decision. And it, it, it's like, once again, it's not even that he's trying to go to ground to like, hey, maybe I can win this. If he was yeah. even actually making an it's attempt like- to win the ball and then got a red card because he messed it up, that would at least be one thing. It's the fact yeah. that he just one hand shoves him to the ground. Yeah. And, you know, it, yeah, to me, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Now we're going to lose Schallenberg for two games. Um, I mean, you can say, you can argue how effective you think he's been early in the season and whether or not you, you know, I, whatever. But, um, you know, even so, somebody who's getting a lot of minutes and now he's going to be unavailable. We had far too discipline issues that early in the season that are not helping us at all. Red card in every game so far. Not all of them ours, but there's been a red card in every game, but in lots of discipline issues. And again, on that play, a high line, Kaminsky left high and dry on the counterattack. And he's just like, as soon as the ball got pelleted up the top, he's like, oh, shit. And Schallenberg had you know, tried to get him. So it's not all Schallenberg's fault, but he's put in a poor spot. Um, and then again, right before halftime, I think it was Kripsky again, another opportunity behind a defense. No, so that's uh, the one. That, and that's the thing. That's the one he should have scored for he sure. He should have. Muller, huge save. But yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, poor, poor finish. You could tell that Skripsky was thinking about it and, and was thinking about it a little bit too much. But that, that's the thing. But with the previous play, that was a one-on-one with Skripsky, and Mueller came up and made a save. Like, like maybe don't get the red card and give your goalkeeper a chance to make something happen. Uh, Mueller's an imposing figure back there and has been doing really well. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got to see how what kind of saves he's made this year so far. And so I'm sure if you're an attacker and one-on-one against him, you start thinking a little bit more, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to. So, but down one nothing at halftime. But down a man. I wasn't too confident. Knowing Chuck all these years, being down, you know, being up a man or or down a man, that we would do well. Like usually, some teams when they go down a man uh, and they they play more compact, they play better. Not necessarily the case with Schalke. Uh, so I wasn't too confident going at halftime. Statistics were obviously all lopsided because of the red card. How confident were you at halftime that we could pull some kind of result out of this? Not super confident. Um... I, I don't think we started that poorly. I, th- I mean, I think we were poor defensively all game long, yeah. Um, particularly in those in those in those transition moments. But I, I don't think that we were terrible going forward in the first half. We just kind of got handicapped once we ultimately went down a man, um, and then at that point it felt like, at best, kind of a recovery drop to try to salvage something rather than really anything we could really go on and win. Um, and uh, you know, likely obviously to to lose by more. Um, I, I guess, I mean, like, how much better would you feel? If it was like Oadriogo opposite like Bolter, like if we still had like a Mark, you know what I mean? It's just like uh, we, we have like we have Tarada up top who like you know whatever. If he has service in the second division, he might be able to do well. But like it's just not happening. Then you have this you know this bright young spot in Oadriogo who had played great I think in the first and second half. Yeah, you could maybe yeah. some decision making issues at the final end of these things, but like easily the brightest player on the pitch for us. Yes. and opposite him in the first half we had like Seguin or whatever. It's just like it's not enough. Um, and and Kazuki is still kind of coming back from his thing. Didn't look good in his cameo. Like I don't know, man. I think we need some help, and we need it on both ends of the pitch at the moment. And uh, our leadership, from what the, the quotes that we're seeing, right, are kind of suggesting that they're maybe not as convinced. Maybe it's because they don't think they can afford it or make it happen, and so they're just trying to pretend and put a positive spin. They don't need it. 
But um, I think the fans and, and sort of the leadership are not in the same place in the moment in terms of the evaluation of the squad. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and before halftime, right after that red card, someone had to be sacrificed. Kiki Top had to be sacrificed. Yeah, you mentioned Odarago had played probably the the, the one outside of Mueller, probably the bright star of the team. Uh, certainly offensively, he was like going after guys one on one. It was nice, but Kiki Top had some had some nice things too as well. Obviously, it's hard in a situation where you, the other team has a lot of the possession. But he was sacrificed for Templeman. I understand that one to an extent. Uh, and then at halftime, oh, go ahead. No, I just I, the thing is, I have not liked Templeman. And I, I don't know why people are going to disagree with me in this. I haven't really liked him in almost any game I've seen him in. I have not been a huge fan of him so far. And so I, I understand why you make that move. Obviously, you go down a man, you want to bring in a more defensive midfielder or something, you know, whatever. But I think Keke Top at that point was was actually providing something in the game. He was and, backtracking too. Um, yeah. And so I just, it, it felt, I, I don't know. Part of me would have liked to give him maybe until the 50th minute, whatever else. I know it's like an easy thing to say in hindsight, and it's obviously a much smarter decision, probably from a coaching perspective, to try to bring in some stability to the yeah. team. But I mean, at that point, like you're off to such a bad start in this season, and now you're down a man. Just like leave your firepower on and see what happens. See if you can steal something. You know what I mean? I don't know. You're, yeah, you got to lose anyway. So that was to go out swinging, go out swinging, right? And actually, I mean, I agree with you. So I, I, I disagree on the Templeman thing because I think, well, Depends how you look, Templeman. If you're looking at Templeman as a offensive, someone who can provide with offense, he's not that guy. He's not. He's more of a Schallenberg type in my mind. Meaning, he, but that's not what they play him in that position. So, the position we put him in is not beneficial to him nor our team necessarily, unless we're playing a team like a Hamburg, where he can kind of cancel some of those guys out defensively because we are going to be on the back burner. So it's a situational thing. But I agree. I mean, I would have rather see Kiki Top in there because why not swing for the fences. If you're gonna, we've seen teams, many teams in in the Svita Liga and and the Bundesliga. When they're down a guy, they stay on the attack. Hell, you saw Liverpool this weekend down, you know, down a guy, down one nothing. They scored two goals and won the game um, against a good Newcastle team. So why don't you keep attacking? Anything can happen. You get a turnover, you get a counterattack. Odrago and and top, you can you can go out to that defense. The defense is not that great for for Kiel. So that substitution happened, and then at halftime, I was perplexed about well. The Seguin out for Cabadilla, I got it. That's an offensive offensive substitution, slightly, I guess. You know, he's a little bit a little bit more attack minded than Seguin. But Joey Mueller for Thomas Oyon, I didn't get. I don't know if it was almost like throwing in the towel and say, hey, you know what? Let's just wrap up Thomas Oyon in a plastic bubble and let the youngster try. I mean, I what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think what the what, what the commentator suggested was that um Oyon had picked up a uh a yellow card, I think inside like the first 20 minutes or so. And so because we had already yes. gone down a man that maybe they sacrificed Oyan because they didn't want to get like a second cheap yellow and they go down two men. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't think, I think Muller was poor. I don't think he really, I don't think he helped us at all. I think he made us worse no. probably. And obviously uh, not, not like at replacement level for Oyan in that sense. Um, and uh, yeah, Kavadai, well, he's, he's on loan from, from Bayern Munich. Is that correct? Um, I believe so. Youngster. Yes. 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 I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you can understand that from Bayern Munich's perspective. Give him, give him a run in the second division so he can get some minutes, see if he can make an impact. Um, lively to some extent, not particularly clean, a little wild, a little, you know, but, but at least popping up sometimes. So, um, you know, I'm not thrilled with, with the performance there, but wouldn't mind getting another look at him at some point. Well, as I mentioned, uh, the second goal would eventually come by Kiel. They, they, they did keep going attack. And really, number 18, uh, the, the left back or left winger, uh, it's coming down left wing side and really goes. He sees a run coming from the back door by Machino, 
There's a bunch of shotgun players in between those two players. He goes for this cross low on the ground. It was perfectly, perfectly weighted where it was just in front of the keeper, in front of Mueller where he couldn't get it. But the, some of the defense should have had it. And it went easily back to Machino who, who just roofed it. Uh, wonderful goal by him. But, man, that was a poor goal to give up, especially because Holsa Kiel's been doing this all year long. It should have been like obvious. Hey, watch the back to the runner. Watch Machino. He does this thing. And the goal scored. Yeah, left back. I think the, the winger's name is like a Rota or like Rota or something Rota. like that. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the ball that was played because, as you said, I think he played that in probably one of only two ways that you could even give your guy a chance to kind of get on that in the situation. Kind of kept it away from Mueller. You know, Mueller maybe won't come out, but like he kept it away from Mueller and also kind of bent it all the way, you know, in behind. But as you also said, even even so, it should never reach, you know, the keel player in that situation. There's multiple defenders in the way of that. Should have been able to get on it. I think it was Mueller, right, who just kind of got outfoxed ultimately with the movement. Kind of gets left for dead and they score a second one. So, um, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think kind of two relatively poor goals, but mostly because of just the defensive play. And that was a theme, you know, throughout the game. Um, I think, or honestly, I think it's surprising that we didn't lose by more than two goals, given the fact, especially that we were a man down, because um, there were there were several other opportunities that were pretty pretty sketchy um, from our defense. So, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know how much this is, is coaching at this point or just – the quality isn't there. Um, I think it could be a combination of both. It's surprising yeah. because, you know, of how positive I think we thought, felt about Rice given the circumstances last season that, you know, against maybe a lower level of competition despite, you know, detriment to the squad in terms of personnel that he'd be able to kind of pull something out of here. But, but yeah, we're really struggling so far. Um, not looking great. And, and I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like after that goal, Baumgartel was yelling at Mueller for like, why don't you come out more and, and get that intercept at play? And I'm thinking, you can't talk. Like, you were doing, you've been poor all game long, and you should have been there and read the interception there. So, like, something's not yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, look, look, Mueller could have come out there. And, it, yeah, yeah, he, he, sure. he, stayed, he stayed a little bit deeper. He could have probably come out and grabbed that. That's true. But, like, yeah, under the circumstances, I'm going to give Mueller the benefit of the doubt over anybody else, given how well he's played. And, yeah, there's two other defenders that could have or, you know, possibly should have made a play as well. So, um, you know, at, at worst, I think Mueller has an equal share in the blame. And I don't even think that's necessarily the case. And I'm going to make this point now, even though I want to make it at the end, but I'll probably forget it. I, I think the turning point for us lately, what, why we've gone on this downswing, and I know these games happen all the time. I'm talking about the friendlies, inner, inner scrimmage friendlies. But against Braunschweig, we were okay. We won 3-1 to in that DFB Polkow matchup. Then we played this, this in, in inner squad friendly against the U23s, and they beat us bad, 4-2. to two. I mean, Kiki Top dominated that game. And ever since then, or even in that game, we just have not been the same. And I get it. You're trying to get your players match fit. But I could see how that result against the team with a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people were in attendance at that game uh, for the for the inner, inner squad friendly. It just demoralizes the team. And, and, you know, you don't want to lose. You shouldn't be losing. But I think we were okay up until that point. And all of a sudden, we just dropped off after that result. And it's just been like poor result after poor result. It seemed like two, three in a row now. I don't know. Maybe just me. No, but it's a, it's an interesting shout. Um, one question I did want to ask you is, is how do you feel about some of the comments that are coming out from Rice now in response to this? Because there's been some parallels being drawn, I think, on on, on Twitter and elsewhere, or X, perhaps. No, I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter. It's great. Twitter. Twitter. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we haven't updated our, our graphic that's for right. that social that's media right. icon, and we're not going to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's been some comparisons drawn between the rhetoric of Thomas Rice and, and Wagner as, as things were going, like, yeah, 
down dudes a little bit. He's starting to just kind of like throw out a lot of weird things and, and blame the squad and, and, and blame everybody but himself, sort of, it seems like. So yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know if he's, he's trying to get a reaction against- out of people or just trying to get fired or like what the deal is, but it's not going well. Yeah, after the game against the U23s, he was like, oh, th- well, this is Schalke. This- I haven't seen the Schalke in a while. It's like, uh, you know, they're playing like they played back before where they're just terrible and got relegated. Um, so he's, yeah, he's absolutely putting the blame on the team. It's like, dude, what's going on here? Like, it's sure you're the coach. What the hell? I mean, I, I, and I, maybe this is, I, I thought I saw this online. I could be incorrect about this, but I thought he came out after this game and basically said something to the effect of, like, you know, we have to, like, play like men. Kind of a thing. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see that. I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe that was a false like quote. But if that's true, it's like I'm honestly like watching that game. What about that game gives me the impression that we have to like man up? Yeah, I didn't. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe to defend better, but like, I don't think it's a question of like commitment and like heart necessarily. I mean, maybe a little bit of focus, but like, yeah. you're the manager. You got to come up with something for them to do outside of just like being to play like men or like be men or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. that's not what you're hired for. Yeah. Exactly. Give them like a tactical framework to try to be successful. <laughs> um, well, we would, uh, after that goal, you know, pretty much Holson and Keel kind of just brought in the reserves. We got to see actually two Shaka players come on. Lewis Hopley, who we, you know, I almost forgot about. And then Timo Becker. You forgot about Timo Becker. He, he played as well. Uh, but uh, really with nothing much going on the rest of the game. Um, had some opportunities. But uh, ultimately, game. Blendy Adrizi cameo. Blandia Drizzy did come in, which I think his first appearance of the season, I think, is was it not? So. Uh, but yeah, two nothing down a man at home. A terrible performance by us. Um, the bright side is it's almost international break, <laughs> and also we got Visa Biden coming up, which they're a newly promoted team, but they've been doing well. I mean, this you season. would you would hope, but you, who knows? Um, yeah, especially yeah. with the confidence, the way it appears to be in the squad at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, look. You, we went down a man early in this game. I'm kind of writing this one off, which is maybe wishful thinking on my part. I'm kind of writing this one off and trying to take positives, which is Oya Dryoga is a baller. Um, I mean, his ability to ride challenges. Yeah, is he's strong for his phenomenal. Age. I mean, like so, so well balanced, like change of pace, like quick. Like, like I'm not saying he's the fastest overall, but he gets quickly like, take a quick step, you know, quick, like an early touch, that kind of stuff. He's uh He's really, really strong, um, and I, I, I'm, looking, I'm excited to see how much he can grow over the course of even the season. 17 years old and had some great moments. Had a shot, I think, in the second half where he beat somebody, and it required a save from the goalkeeper to kind of keep it. Yes. That was on target towards the yes. far post, too. Like, almost almost yes. pulled us level or at least, you know, pulled us back in. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And I, I don't remember if it was this game or it was something I heard elsewhere, but uh, maybe another game, but they, they reference a Real Madrid player. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, similarities to Jude Bellingham. Right. And how he had that ability and, and out of a midfielder as a young player, be able to write off challenges and, and still create all this you know, offense um, from nothing, it seems like. And yeah, Odaro goes, uh, looks like the part. And if, you know, he and Kiki Top can get this connection, if Toronto can get some goals and if the freaking defense can stop something, we have a chance. But I mean, I'm with you. I'm willing to write this one off. Um, but we, we got to figure something out because we're three points through four games. And the question I have for you, Jack, is, are we worse off than we were two years ago? Um, four, two years ago, we were at four points uh, after four games. We're, and we were only like maybe 10th place at the time. We're now three points after four games and 15th place. Thoughts on are we worse off now than we were then? Yeah, last comment real quick. This is wishful thinking too, but it's like, can you imagine if we had like Cherlinov on the right-hand side? Ugh. 
Huh. With Oye Dryogo, like, you know, oh. with the ball progression, beating people <laughs> yeah. through the midfield and having Shorov making like a late run, like off the shot. I mean, like, wishful I mean, like, anybody, you know, that can, they can actually partner him from the opposite side. But do I think we're worse off? I mean, I do. And I, and I think this is kind of what I was talking about on some of our early pods early in the season when I was saying, look, do I ultimately expect us, given the squad in general, to, to be in the mix at the end of the season, like top six? you know, with potentially, you know, the opportunity to string a couple of results together and, and, you know, be in a promotion playoff. Like, I think we'll kind of be at the right end of the table come the end of this season. But I think this squad is significantly worse than the squad that we had the last time we were in the second division. And I fully expected us to get off to a yeah. bad start. Did I think it was going to be quite this bad? Maybe not. But <laughs> I'm not surprised that we've lost some games. As we, I mean, we lost some games early, you know, early on last time. Um, you know, there's still some squad overhaul. Rice has to figure out, you know, exactly who he trusts and who he wants to work with. And I think we potentially still need some help. Um, this could be a situation where we're trying to just kind of hold on and survive the first half of the season, basically not kill our chances entirely. And then see if we could somehow pull off some magic in the winter, bring in a couple key people, you know, somebody on defense, somebody on attack, and then make, you know, make a run for it. But, um, yeah, no, I do think we're worse off than we were last time. And my confidence that we're going to, um, when the league is like zero, and I, I think I think we'll probably be fortunate if we even get into a promotion playoff position. Um, like I said, my initial prediction was that we would be somewhere towards the right end of the table come the end of the season. You know, maybe not too far away from that, but like I don't know. I'm not overall shocked by how this has gone. I don't I don't think our squad is as strong as people were expecting it to be early on. Yeah, and this was a, the debate in the Shock America Discord uh, channel. If you're if you're not a member, you should definitely join. Get the link will be in the description. But it was are we better, are we worse off now than we were then? And initially, I was like, well, we're we're basically the same because we were four points then, three points now. And then I was like, well, we had Itakura, we had Tiao, and, the, and all these names, Boulter, and all these guys and playmakers, and like we don't have that right now, do we? Like outside of Odarago, I mean, we're we're definitely and Muller is upgrading goal. But other than that, it's like we are not. This team is not as on par in terms of talent alone. And of course, that talent prevailed at the end of that of that season. But and it's still good this season. But man, it doesn't look good. Something's got to change. It, it's a tactical change that has to happen, in my opinion. I think some better substitutions as well. Uh, both have a common link, common denominator. But um, we got Vsbotten coming up. They're they have seven points, and they're seventh position at the moment. Um, so they are better than us on the table. They're a newly promoted team. But as you expect from a newly promoted team. They are kind of playing in a defensive way, trying not to give it too many goals because they're, they're afraid of you know their defense, I assume. They've had almost as many red cards as we had in our games. They've had two games out of the four that had red cards for them. Uh, and they haven't scored more than one goal in any game. So we get a couple goals. That might be it for, for them. Uh, but we have to get a couple goals. That's been our, yeah. our struggle as of late. So this is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a chess match between the managers, see how they, this goes. It's going to be at Wiesbaden at 7 a.m. Uh, my time, 6 a.m. your time, Jack, on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. but uh, I'm going to be in Denver on Saturday, too. So forget 6 a.m. might be even earlier, potentially. I don't know what. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, all right. Right on. Well, I'm gonna try to do a watch log for this one because got the international break coming up and all. But uh, what are your thoughts about coming to this game against uh, Wiesbaden before the international break? We got a nice two weeks after that, 13 days after this. Yeah, I mean, well, the language out out of the Schalke camp is certainly just sort of like doesn't matter what happens. We just have to find a way to pick up three points from this game. Yes. It could be the ugliest thing possible. We just need to get a result heading into the break so we can just kind of catch our breath, 
reset and, and go from there. Um, and I very much agree with that. I hope there's a little bit of a method to, you know, how we're going to potentially achieve that as opposed to just sort of willing it into, into being, but um, yeah, uh, very important match early on, as you said, you know, despite our relative positions in the table, um, if there was a game that you feel like could be like a get right game, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, this might be one of those opponents. So hopefully we can, we can find a way to take advantage. Uh, I was going to ask you something, and I don't remember what it is now. <laughs> um, oh, so I mean, I, I brought this up in the podcast. So after in the after the DFB Pokal match against Braunschweig, it wasn't a prettiest of games. But we won three to one. It was fairly comfortable for the most part, and then we lost. We lost to Braunschweig on a turn on the bounce back, one nothing. I made the argument that it's difficult to face the same opponent twice, especially within a week, and it's, you know, you're going to have to try something different. If you're not playing well, they're going to be able to read it. But that's, I took that loss as more of we play them again. It's hard to beat the same opponent twice. I mean, what are your thoughts on how we went from a three to one win to a one nothing loss uh, in the league? Yeah, I mean, I can see that that argument. I mean, you would like to think that you know whatever whatever coach is, is a little bit more clever potentially has the advantage in that situation in terms of being able to learn from the first match and yeah. apply it to the second match. Um, I don't, I don't think it shouldn't. I mean, if you're going to say like, Oh, it's always tough to do that after you play them once that logic should apply to us for them as well. Right. I mean, like yeah. in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but uh, I, 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 it, it's frustrating. You, you would like to think that after we got a three, one result, I mean, once again, it's individual games of football. They can go either way. There's a lot of variance in soccer. I'm not trying to say that like one result necessarily is predictive of another one, but um, you know, it, as nice as the DFB Pokal is uh, the league is the, the much more important, I think yes. target for us right now. So I, I think a lot of us would have liked to have those results flipped if possible, you know, if it had to go one way or the other for, for, you know, across the two matches. hundred uh... percent. One last thing before we get out of here. There was a bit of bright spot before uh, this next game, and that is the signing of a new center back. Uh, I don't know if it's because we watched Bob Gardel and Kaminsky play. We're like, hey, we need some change here. But uh, Thomas Kalash joins Schalke, formerly of uh, Chelsea, Bristol City, and Fulham. Uh, he signs a contract until 24-25, end of that season. Uh, there's him with uh, uh, Henkelman. Um, and he says uh, some quotes here. It says, uh, well, this is from Heckelman. It says, in signing Tomas, we have once uh, once again been able to strengthen our back line. Uh, we have been able to gain an experienced center back who will take on responsibility and be a leader on the pitch. Um, he, <clears throat> he will contri- continue to contribute to competition within the squad and help us improve. So we'll see. Uh, he's got some caps for the senior squad of the Czech Republic. 31 caps, uh, looks like. Uh, he even played on the U17 level. But again, I guess he for for those who don't aren't aware of him, he did play for Retesi Arnheim in the Eredivisie, and then also played for a little bit with Chelsea, Bristol City, and Fulham. Most recently, Bristol City. So, thoughts on on him? I, I mean, I'm not too familiar with him. I don't know if you are as well. I mean, yeah, a player that I'm vaguely familiar with through his association with some of those English clubs that you mentioned. Um, I mean, as as the article says, they're an experienced player who had you know some stints at decent levels of competition, you know, throughout his career. So, yep. you know, maybe he can come in and do a job. Am I, um, you know, putting all my eggs in the, in the Thomas college basket? No, I'm not, but, uh, you know, we've been asking for some reinforcements. Um, hopefully this proves to be one that's actually impactful. Yeah. And I'm curious if he has any pace, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, like I said, next game will be against uh, VNV spot in this Saturday morning or midday for those in Germany. 
uh, early, early times for Jack and I and uh, those on the West Coast. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting game. But uh, any any shout-outs uh, outside of Eric and uh, El Waffle in the chat tonight? No, that's all for me. Um, yeah, just hoping, like we said, hopefully, hopefully we uh, get a result here and uh, head into the, the break in better spirits and not have uh, this kind of uh, the streak hanging over us at the moment. Agreed 100%. Where can our followers find you on social media, Jack? At JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter, as we decided earlier on this podcast. Twitter is the name of that platform. Twitter it is, and we are not going to change our logo. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. But more importantly, you can follow Shock America anywhere across social media. Uh, whether you're listening on watching on YouTube now or just go to the website, uh, make sure you join Shock America uh, definitely subscribe, like our videos, comment. That would help the algorithm absolutely. If there's anything you want us to do vi videos on or do news on, let's let us know. Uh, also, join the Discord channel. Uh, lots of good conversation going on there, but mostly about Shaka. But there are some other things we talk about too. Uh, just life in general, making fun of our our cousins too. Uh, that, that happens there too. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, let's uh, get out of here. Not much to talk about. Not not a, not a fun pod to talk about. Never is when we lose, especially in the manner that we have lately. But. Um, we got V-Spot up ahead, and then we got international break. So let's let's leave it on a, on a good note. And uh, if you're around Saturday morning, want to join us, join us for the game. Join us in the misery and, and the highs and the lows. So for Jack, for myself, uh, we'll catch you soon. And uh, cool guy.